Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Brain Creative Podcast and today is a very special episode. Today it is my long lost friend Melina Haskin wrote Grotrian. <laughs> oh my god, I want to say it in English and that's hard. <laughs> Melina Haskin Grotrian. Melina Welcome. I am so happy to have you here and it's just amazing to see your face here again on on my screen. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you so much for having me, Caroline. It's uh, again to say your name in English and Danish is is kind of funny. Yeah, it uh, warms yeah. my heart to be here. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Yes. Melina is Danish and so am I, but uh, we have spent a lot of time on uh, Canadian soil. So I guess that's what our uh, accents will uh, will will show at the end of this. But yeah, we go way back. And I just want to start by letting the listeners in on our story together. And perhaps Melina, you can help me with some of the details. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we, uh, we met each other in design school in Denmark and had an amazing time there and hung out so much and spent so much time doing creative things sewing and buying fabric and then we actually also spent time together in Canada so uh, Melina yeah you had the connection to Canada can you tell us a little bit about that well it was interesting because the design school that we went to was was very international minded and actually offered to pay for flights if we if if students go on an international internship So I drew on my family connections to Canada and uh, established a, a one-month-long internship with, um, yeah, with with a family contact in a small, small place called Pakenham outside of Ottawa in the eastern Canada. And Caroline and I went there for one month and uh, stayed with my aunt, and we were in sewing heaven. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing, and uh, I just remember buying fabrics galore and uh, cutting it up in my aunt's little uh, sewing room and the midnight and sewing till the wee hours and yeah, going back up at work and just being in heaven. Yeah, I, I also remember cutting up a fake fur fabric in in her room, and and she wasn't so pleased about that. And and I I, I kind of didn't know what happened when you cut up fake fur, and then I realized, oh yeah, this this fur hair everywhere so yeah had to had to clean that up yeah yeah and then yeah. you moved uh, to Canada and uh, I yeah went to see you there and actually ended up staying a year and uh, yeah now you've been there for such a long time and you have finally come home to Denmark and uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure we will talk about a lot of those um, yeah those uh, sidelines in this episode and That is basically the reason I invited you here is just because you have had the most interesting story to follow on the sideline. And, you know, um, yeah, we've hung out like daily, hourly for such a long time. And then we've also had a long period of time where we kind of been following each other on the side. And, you know, your life has seemed, seemed so exotic and uh, adventurous and cool and the things that you've done. So... Basically, we'd just like to hear if you were to describe it to, to, the, to the listeners of the podcast, like how would you describe your creative journey and the different things that you have been doing in your creative life? Well, I think my creative journey in how I define it is actually very straightforward because I was very young when I defined and identified my path that I wanted to be a designer. And I wanted to have my own business. I, I don't know. I'm, in my mind, I was six or seven. And it's that 
flashback moment where I raised my hand in class and the teachers ask you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, with a with an arm raised to way to the roof, it was just, I'm going to have my own business. And I'm I can be see designer. you sitting on that little chair being yeah. like uh, seven years old saying that. Yeah. So my path has always been crystal clear in every decision from such a young age. Like, and interestingly enough, when you want to be a designer, I actually never learned to sew until I was around 20 years old. I never, my mom sewed all of our clothes and you would assume that someone with the ambition to be a designer has always sewed, but I haven't like my creative path started in like drawing, painting, clay making, um, anything creative, but sewing. So, but I, 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 I never looked at it as that being like my, my artistic journey. Like that was tools to get me to become a designer. So all of the fine art schools that I took or classes or, you know, life drawing was all with the intention of advancing my skills to get into the design school that I went. So, yeah, I would say my path, my creative path has been has been very straight. I think that the, the first era that kind of made it go a different way was that I applied to a uh, calling a design school first and I didn't get in there and that was a big hit in my stomach because I'd identified it as a top design school and I didn't get in and I remember Martin and I being my husband and I being in Italy when we got the news and and it took me like a day or two and I cried and then I was like then what no one's gonna put anything mm. in the road of me getting to where I want is there another school that that could be a good fit for me and that's when I found a take center that I ended up uh, getting into and uh, and which was actually a very perfect fit for me because it's very it's also a very practical school like in te- in terms of preparing people for the industry so yeah with that in mind i i took that two year education where we met each other and then with the internship that we also uh, went to w- with a tailor in canada when she offered me a job it was a straight yes for me because i knew if for me to have my own business one day, this would be an exceptional skill set that I would learn there. Mm-hmm. So, so it was like, yeah, it checked off. Like, I'm going to end up out here. This, this is going to give me skills that's going to fill up my bucket. <laughs> so it was, it was very easy for me to to say yes to that opportunity. And then after being there for some years, or two years, I uh, I had an opportunity to get a job in Vancouver for a designer that was opening up her first retail store and she was taking her production to China at the time. So for me, it was a whole other bucket of skill sets within like, how do you actually take your garments and bring it to market and how do you produce it, which was completely different from anything that I had done before. So that also was a, yes, this, I want to do this. And that kind of took the next step because I I felt like this is going to give me some really great tools to one day take the leap and jump into into starting my own. Yeah, so, it's really some it's really some great stepping stones that you've had and I also just remember you and also like myself at that time at Tequesenda because I was also a reject from Culling Design School actually and and yeah, then then Tego came and you know being accepted there and and then just also using the Tequesenda for everything it had, which, you know, I remember that also you were one of the ones who were in that, you know, the sewing area and the big kind of creative area in school. 
using the opportunities there, using the machines, using the tools, learning more, uh, you know, learning as much as we possibly could and taking the extra classes, going to the summer school in Italy, just to, you know, to see how much we could load up our backpacks to be ready for the next steps. And and then, of course, what you did, going to, to Patty uh, in Pakenham and spending some time there and then moving on to Vancouver. It's really been, yeah, some great, there must have been some great learning steps um, to for you to create your own business. Well, it 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 was. It felt like it when, because interestingly enough, I should mention though, when before I jumped into starting my own business, I did what I think a lot of creatives do. Like we try to kind of almost like avoid. Like even though that my dream was so clear, I can now see how I tried to give uh, my my current employer. We had a great relationship, so no harm there. But my own insecurities. Uh, despite that I knew where I wanted to end up, I was trying to give my power to them in the sense that I was I was walking around waiting for them to give me my own line, like under them, like with mm-hmm. security. And of course it, it doesn't happen. You know, that's, that was their company. And, and as much as we did have a fantastic relationship, it was, uh, it wasn't until I think it was uh, my mom who said, Melina, are you just not jumping into to doing your own that you've always dreamt of because you're scared. And I realized that was exactly what it is. I was trying to wait for someone else to give me my opportunity. And at that moment, it clicked for me because I realized all I have to do is remove my fear and just work as hard as I can to make my dream come true and don't give them my power. Don't let it be up to someone else to decide if I'm going to have my my dream come true. And that was when I decided I'm going to do it. And I'm going to look at the worst case scenario that could possibly happen. And I'm going to decide if I'm willing to accept that. And for me at that time, that looked like, what if I'm going to be in debt? What if I'm going to invest this money into it and I'm going to be in debt the rest of my life? Um, Is it worth it? And I decided I'm here to live out my dream. If I'm going to be have to work another job to pay off this to do it, that it's worth it for me. So that made it I, that made it be the right thing to jump into, even with the risks that it was, um, because I couldn't like it's it been so clear for me all the, all along that that was what I wanted to do. So, well, how was it then to actually then finally jump in and say, okay, now I am going to do it. And, and, you know, and then start to build your own business. It was uh, scary and exhilarating and excited, exciting. Um, And I, and I could, I couldn't have done it without like the people that supported me and people saying, it's time we got you. My boyfriend at the time, husband now, my, my parents, friends, like people believing in me was a huge factor for me, even though that I, I am fairly confident personality, I think it still was a, who am I and what do I think? And like all the things that can pop up and that pops up in a creative journey that I've now learned that the doubt is part of the journey. It, it never actually fully goes away. It surfaces like you get an idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a great idea. And then doubt starts to tear you apart. It's done that with every single creative piece I've ever made, every single collection doubt surfaces and you're like you're you know down at the lowest of your low and you're like who am I and I'm useless and blah 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 and then you start 
you know, you start on the first little thing that you can do and you climb up and you go, okay, this might go, this might actually work. And then the confidence goes, it's like, no, this is going to be pretty awesome. And then <laughs> at the end, it's like, that was amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, now I've learned to, to be more comfortable with the doubt. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was all of it. But mostly it was, it felt like I was on purpose pursuing the things that that I had been wanting to do for so long um it was and I worked like several people told me and, and, I, and I believe it like they'd never seen anyone work that hard before and I could because it was my dream like if yeah. I slept four hours up again go and I could do it I couldn't do that today I'm older and uh, yeah my body couldn't do it but in your late 20s I had all the energy for it and I don't regret a single hour of living within that passion and uh, to do something that you just feel so, I, I need to do it. I'm so curious what's going to come out on the other side. And just that little first, someone's showing interest. It's like, oh, it feels the fire again. And, and it helps with the doubt. So that whole dance of conversations, interest, your first, you know, first customer is probably one of the most yeah, exciting feelings is is that first customer buying your one of your pieces because it's such a confirmation that you're on your way. So yeah, it's like intoxicating and just yeah, something that reminds you that you're on the right path and that you yeah. know even though there are ups and downs and lots of downs as well yeah. that oh, it's it's worth it and that that you're doing it for a reason. Cuz the thing is when you have a when you have an area that's your passion, we often will do it for nothing, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it fuels you so much. So to then be paid for something that you would do anyway, is that is a confirmation and fuel on the fire to keep going. Uh, and, and you need a lot of those because the road of building uh, is a long road. So, so to have people that support you, um, like customers, of course, but but even a support net around it was tremendously important um, to have your cheerleaders. Yeah, exactly. But how did you feel like about the you know making your passion your your way of you know your income as well? Because some people you know say you know don't turn your your hobby or your side hustle into your full-time thing because it's going to take it's going to take the joy out of it it's going to you know make it too much of a, a daily grind and there was going to be you know so many boring and administrative tasks added into it but but did it did it continue to be you know just joyful and exciting and exhilarating for you having you know living living your dream well, it's actually a really good question because I the what I see today is my dream, what my dream is today and what it was then has has changed because I don't actually work as a designer anymore. So my path as a designer did change. Um but I also think that it always will for me because I actually have found out that I am someone I love being new at things. So after I had my design business for five years, it it did change because the way I set my business up was that I designed my two collections and then the rest of the year I was selling. So 
I wasn't actually as creative. And for that reason, it just changed my feeling around it. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I, at that time, also that people had had shown interest in my art. So my focus changed and I actually ended up closing my design store because I wasn't, I, it, it didn't give me the same joy anymore. And I realized that that creative outlet, I gained that through my art. So today I work as an artist, as well as I also work as a massage therapist. I, you know, I do both. Um, so it did change, but was it because I pursued my passion? I don't think it was. I just think that I'm someone, I, I hardly doubt that I will. it will get boring for me to make art because I make new art every time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's the best way I can define that anyways. I would yep. say it depends on what you do. If, if there are administrative tasks, of course, with any business, a creative or not creative. So... The part that, that gets challenging when it comes to creative work, I find, is that that is the mind part. Because when you then do a collection, in my opinion, if you produce something creative, now you've sold it and it's done great. So now the pressure starts rising, not just your own, because you have to perform at the same level, but also from other people, they're excited, they put the pressure on you to what are you gonna produce next? That is possibly the, 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 the biggest personal challenge that, that I have experienced because you really have to calm the mind down. Mm -hmm. Because to go into a creative process, for me anyways, I have to put my logical thinking, the pressure behind so I can go into that state of flow of creating, which always comes when you just start. But man, have I been able to procrastinate because... Holy now now you know it, I did really good in the first year. I went to New York Fashion Week and was named Vancouver's top designer. So the pressure just rose from zero to a hundred, really really quickly. <coughs> and that uh, that was a mind game to just yeah. say, okay, now I'm I'm being looked at as this level. Okay, now I have to produce. This next one has to be part of what's you know, when the other top Vancouver designers and then talk yourself out of it and just go, okay, I'm just going to go down. My studio was in my basement of my house. Just going to go down and clean up. So that has always been my trick so far. It's just been do the thing, do the one thing that I can easily oversee and just gets me a little closer to my materials and in the space. So I'm not going down to my studio to produce anything today. I'm just going down to clean up. That was my mental game that I had to tell myself because if I knew, okay, so this week is a design week, holy smokes, the pressure's on because you don't know, you haven't even created it yet. You haven't come up with the idea. And by the end of the week, and you need to know that you need to produce 20 or 30 designs or something like that. Yeah. The pressure is so high. So, but it's also been a huge learning curve to let go in all other aspects of life is just, okay, just do the one little thing that I can do right now. And the doubt and the mind and all the things that the mind can create, it does dissolve and, 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 and disappear when you just start doing, you know, to get out of that mind, just get into the body again and in, into the, into creation. That is such a good piece of advice, that thing. Like, I'm not I'm not going to stress myself. I'm just going to clean up. I'm just going to get close yeah. to my materials. And, you know, also just, yeah, taking one step at a time. You're not going to, you know. The you're tiniest not gonna... step. Yeah. 
that you can for oversee. And, and when you're then, for me, when I was there with my fabrics, it's just, oh, that fabric looks interesting. And I would pull out the bowl and put it up and just, and just leave it because I'm not designing today with my story, right? And then you're cleaning up in another area and guess what? Oh, that little button thing. And all of a sudden you're, you know, I'm draping the fabrics on me and, and the process has then started. And now I'm in that state of, of creation and flow. So, uh, so to trick the mind <laughs> has been what I've learned as the most important lesson through this whole thing is just get out, get out of that mind. And then it's really good to learn those tricks, like later on when you have to trick your kids into doing things, then you have already tested it with yourself. <laughs> yeah, and even for yourself in other areas too, I have to say, like just um, when you start experiencing fear or hesitation or procrastination, it's like, okay, there's something here. There's a reason for this to come up. Well, what can I do? Like focus on what what can I do right now that's not feels like I'm going to throw up or, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's too overwhelming. It doesn't matter what it is, uh, really, because there's always like a tiny step that I can do. But good tip, Melina. Good tip. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting to hear about your journey from from being a fashion designer and into being an artist. Even though, of course, you've been an artist all along. Because I also remember visiting your your family's house back in you know more than twenty years ago and seeing your art on the wall. Well, so you've definitely been an artist all your life. And now you've chosen like painting again as your favorite medium at the moment. So I would like to hear, yeah, what is it that that gives to your life now? You know, why is that what you've chosen? Um, For me, it's a, it's a world of wonder. Like there's so much wonder. I'm such a curious being and I can't explain this world. Because art speaks to to our emotions. Hmm. So every art piece is never thought through. It's a real process of a flow. Like I go in there, have no plan, and I just start picking up and being. And within an hour or two, I just know when the artwork is, is done, when I look at it. And many times I don't actually like it. Okay. I just know I just know it's done. But it, it actually can make me quite uncomfortable, but I know it's it's done and I need to step away. And then within days after where I we kind of get to know each other, the art piece of me. <laughs> wow. Um it it can grow on me. But it's almost like I I've I've read something that I'm that's in a subconscious part of me, whether it's the energy that's put into it, but it it often makes me uncomfortable. And, and it's like, it's like this very, it's like a nerve, if that makes sense, that, uh, that is very raw. So I have learned by experience that I can't trust that because it comes up as a critic. It's like, oh, that, that didn't or something. And I just need to step away. And then the interesting thing happens over the next few days is just that, oh, I start, I start going away from from being in it to observing it. And I can go within three to four days to actually feeling like, oh, that works. That 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 really works. That from again, works. That's a very constructive. Yeah. You know, that's not very subconscious or emotional. But I can remove myself from it and see it. And what is really interesting is that some of the art pieces that I have disliked the most have often been some of the paintings that have gone and sold the quickest. So 
Yeah, it, it. I mean, art is color. It speaks to our emotions. It speaks to our subconsciousness. And it's a part that I can't explain fully. I can't rationalize it. And I think that's why it will always be a place that, that I just go in with this curious being that I am and it continues to amaze me. Mm. And and there's endless possibles of techniques and that I can always explore. And, and I dream of paintings and, and you know techniques that I want to do, or it's like there's never enough time for all the things that I want to paint. <laughs> no. So um And it's why... also something you've been doing like all along, haven't you? You all haven't along. really you haven't ever taken any no. breaks from art. No, and I just never I never looked at it as a as something that um that was of any interest to others. I would say when I yeah, when I had my design um my design business, I I I painted when I was I would be in Denmark on holiday because it was time and then I realized I really miss this type of creativity. So I brought it to Canada with me, so to speak. I guess started painting as my hobby. And uh And it wasn't until I had a, a charity fashion show. Some of my staff said, "Oh, we should bring your, we should for sure bring some of your art into the into the charity auction." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And I was like, "I'm not going to put a price to this because that's, you know, I, I just I, I couldn't. It was too no. distant for me to even, yeah, look at that as an as something of value because it felt like it was for me. So we did that, and I had several pieces that sold and. At the same time, I was like, okay, well, that's for charity. So people will do a lot of nice things for charity, which is nice. And I was just like, but of course, there was a part of me that I was, again, curious. So I was like, I got to put it to the test. If I'm an artist, I'm not. Because that was the conversation that started going on in my head is that I'm not an artist. So what am I now? And yeah, it was a very, very confusing period. So I, I, I made an a, a art exhibit in Vancouver. And ended up selling, I mean, because so, I was like, okay, if these big pieces, if these wall pieces sell for like thousands of dollars, no one will buy them. So if they do, I have to believe it. And I did. I sold like a, what would that be? Two, two, was it? Yeah, 4,000 Canadian. Uh, that's like 20,000 Danish kroners. And another one that was like, yeah, well seven done. or eight. So, you know, some really big pieces. And I was like, that mean I'm an artist. Yeah. And that was that's also what made it shift for me was like oh this fuels me up so much and apparently it, there's an audience for it and it made me believe that I could make a shift and then I became and then I become competitive and then I become curious and was willing to let the other business go because this felt like the next thing to pursue and it's, but it's so nice when you get that proof so that it becomes yeah. a little bit easier to actually pursue hundred percent yeah a hundred percent for sure like that made, was that was a huge deal um for me to believe it and then well interestingly enough then for then I have had two little kids and I haven't done much with it I've been very productive prior and actually build up I thought I had like 20 paintings on in storage and it turned out I had around 60 so when we then decided to move from Canada to Denmark I was like okay well I'll do a big sale uh, of with all my art And I ended up selling in two months. I sold 55 like wow. original paintings plus around 40 like little um, acrylics, like not acrylics, uh, watercolor fashion yeah. illustrations and, and a ton of prints. Like, oh, amazing. And I, because I hadn't done anything with it for like four years, 
I just thought, oh, okay, the interest isn't there. But in honest, in all honesty, I hadn't, I hadn't shown any of it. I just felt like, oh, I did that several years ago, so maybe no one's interested. I had not marketed myself. Let's put it that way. And I did. All of a sudden, I was posting, you know, daily, just you know, because I had so much, and it sold. It like I had, I maybe I donated three or four of my originals to a charity that didn't sell, but all of it sold. And I, I and again, that was just like, holy smoke! So now we're just here in Denmark, and I'm just, I'm so curious. You know, will the Danish market be as susceptible and? Uh, but but for sure the frequency being visible made made a big make big difference in me uh, selling i have no doubt like that that i was consistent yeah in promoting was it was a big deal uh, and also that there was a bit of a people knew that i was moving so there was a deadline yeah. that after this you know and you you can't just buy anymore because i had decided i would donate the rest did you find it hard to promote yourself? Like some people have difficulties that because, you know, with that, because it's, you know, wow, we don't want to talk too much about how awesome we are. And like, how was that for you to actually, you know, that you had to do that? You had to do some self-promotion. You have to keep on posting. Was there anything like, were you okay with that? I, I was, I think I've learned the, the marketing aspect from the design world. Like I've this, I've, you know, I've had to do that with my business uh, for many years and and I've learned I've worked worked with marketing agencies and so I've learned a lot about it and I think it comes naturally for me to communicate and I can somewhat naturally see it from a customer what would you like to know about this or um, and with art it's so visual so interestingly enough I never felt like that I had to promote myself I was promoting the art mm. because it's not like I didn't have to make a video of me standing in front of the art I could just show a picture of the art and and with it with the, the name and the title and the size and the dimensions and not necessarily be I'm all this great or anything but just here it is and that was how I felt it's like here it is some people will like it and some people won't but I'm just I'm creating visibility for these pieces and I think at that point I was very I just felt like it was a celebration of my art and and because I knew that I was moving I was very I felt like it was me getting rid of it, so to speak, was opening up my path for the next thing that I was yeah. going to do. Like so it felt very, per yeah, it felt very purposeful. It didn't feel, uh, and because it was it was selling, it also didn't feel like I was in someone's face obnoxiously. Like it, it felt like okay, well, selling. So <laughs> some people are happy. It must have been like right rush. Oh, oh huge! Like, so and by the end of it, when I was counting it up, I was like. Thank you, universe, for this confirmation. <laughs> That's incredible. So, yeah, so that was a nice way, way to, to leave Canada on, a, on yeah. a good note. And and also, to be honest, like I haven't had much time to, to paint here in Denmark, but I've just restarted. And seeing that I've already sold a few pieces both to Danish customers and I'm sending two pieces to Canada this week and uh, – yeah, to see that they they continue to support me is is really confirming. And also, what I'm noticing is people show that interest when um, when I'm consistent with with showing like new stuff. Yeah, you have yeah. to show up. You have to uh, like deliver. Sounds wrong, but you have to. Yeah, you have to have some products of one kind of kind or the other, and show them to the audience. Yeah. 
So you're top of mind. Yeah. But it's like, this is really funny because we've been talking for a bit more than, than half an hour here recording. And I've gotten like down to <laughs> the third question <laughs> yeah. or something on my huge long list. So yeah, Melina, I just want to say it's great to talk to you. We'll, we'll go on a little bit further and then maybe we can make a second, second episode of this as well. <laughs> also where we're not as uh, sexy snotty as we are today. I know, I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's <laughs> great. I just I feel like a different person because my voice is so different, but you've talked about like the complete beginning of your, your, your artistic creative journey when you sat there as a little schoolgirl, just knowing you were going to be a designer. So like, did you actually also, um, how, how, how early did you, did you get a creative job or like, what was the first thing you did in, in your life kind of for, for money? Money. I think it was a babysitting job. I don't think it was very creative. Um, I worked as a babysitter and, I worked at a gas station and I've so been a all waitress. Things yes. Earn money. There aren't Did as you... many creative. I was an aerobic instructor and that was, would be as creative as it could have gotten. No, there wasn't much money at that time uh, to be made in, in the creative world. Uh, or I, I didn't find it. Did you have but, like, you know, because many kids, they might have an idea, have a dream of something they want to be, but And, you know, you can kind of also, you know, dream about, oh, I want to work with fashion or I want to work with, with clothes, but, but it can be kind of hard to see the actual job, you know, or to see all the possibilities, all the alternatives. And you can kind of just see that uh, top fashion designer and you're on the French uh, Paris uh, runway stuff. But like, did you have a realistic ex expectation of what you might, you know, do in your, in your twenties after design school or I, you know, you did so many things but before you actually did them what did you imagine that 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 life was going to be did you imagine that it would be like paris runway or did you imagine yourself no in... i didn't i never imagined myself outside of denmark first of all but i think and i and i don't i never had that like the only plan that was very set was that i was going to be a designer and have my own business um But I feel like along the way, I've actually been quite flexible to the how. Um, I remember we also spent a month in Italy and I applied to design school there and I got accepted. And not that that would be a job, but I also remember thinking at some point, oh, that's where I will go. That was before we went to Canada. So I actually thought I was going to be moving to Italy prior to having the opportunity in Canada. And so I feel like I've, I've always been someone that when the opportunity rises and it just feels like a, a yes in my core, I want to do that. Then I mm. pursue that. Like I, it's not the, how is never really um, very square and set for me. Not, and, and it is still isn't with my, my road forward, but I know when, it, when I feel a yes inside and if I feel a doubt or no, there's something missing. I'm, I'm either not seeing or feeling the bigger picture or, I'm missing information or whatever it is, but, uh, and I also yeah. feel like that's also, you know, you have to be very open to those, to those different paths and the different, you know, um, the different stepping stones, because you might have the seven year old girl's dream about what, you know, what the future is going to be like, but then the future ends up being different. And, and also like there are so many more opportunities in the field 
that than than a seven year old can imagine anyway oh, sure. so it's just um kind of and a lot of things did change like i think um you know i started my business in 2008 in december which was when the crisis hit like the financial crisis and i started out my business as a wholesale business so with the intention of here's a sample collection and you you sell it into stores that then place orders and then you go back and produce it so i did that in the year of 2009 when a lot of stores were just starting to really really struggle mm -hmm. so that that changed my road completely because i ended up having a bunch of orders from stores that had actually bought my designs that then couldn't pay they couldn't accept the orders And all of a sudden I had to stop and think, okay, well, this is how this, that was the time how people did it. That's how you became a designer and got your name in stores and, and, and grew and so on and so forth. So I was quickly realizing I'm going to go under really, really quick if I continue down this path because I'm producing, but stores can't pay. So I ended up opening up very much like the designer. We, we were interning for like Patty Man, my own little studio where I then was selling my collections And also ended up doing a custom designs from because I was like, I need to take control into my own hands. Yeah. Um, so, so that was, yeah, again, I had to be flexible if I wanted to pursue my, my dream because it couldn't be done the way that I had started out. So that was, uh, so yeah, I had to find a physical location. I ended up with a, with a store in Vancouver. I so wish that I had seen that store. That was after I moved. Oh, I yeah. I wish I could go back in time. Um, <laughs> it must have been yeah. It must have been great. But to all the listeners who are out there who might sit with you know big dreams or small dreams, what advice would you give in regard to you know making a living, really jumping in uh, on the deep end from something you know that is basically a hobby to begin with? Um, what what should you consider before doing that? As I think I was going to say, as always, but I think in, in any anything that you want to make a business, it's it's really, really important to know your numbers. Um, and when I say that, it's like, well, what will it take for you? If this is your dream to make this your full time job, <coughs> how much do you need to make? How much do you need to pull out for yourself to to live? If mm -hmm. you have kids and family, if you don't, if you're on your own, how much do you physically need at the bottom line to you and then how much do you need to make in your sales to to uh, to make that because you have cost for so many things so to really know your numbers then you have a you have a goal and that, that's sometimes what i think us creatives find a little less sexy because we just want to do it yeah you know we just want to do it and, and the numbers but the numbers are important for it to be sustainable And that was the part that I also didn't have when I first started out. I didn't know about our business or anything like that. So what I did was I actually joined a business uh, networking group called Business Network International, BNI, uh, which is a huge international organization of business owners meeting every week, networking and learning from each other. And that was a huge catalyst. That was my cheerleaders. We were a chapter of about 45 members when I started. And after five years, I actually ended up being the president of the group. Um, but essentially, it's, uh, yeah, other business entrepreneurs in all 
other aspects of life. So I was a designer, there was a hairstylist, there was a financial planner, there was 45 different industries there. But what we had in common were that we were all business owners. So many times you don't have coworkers, but but we had each other. So we mm-hmm. were in the same job where we would have employees, we would have businesses, we would have overheads, we would have rent, we would, what do we do when our business grow? How do we get investors? Like, you name it. You have someone else that had either been there or are in it with you. That was the best decision, business decision that I ever made in terms of, of uh, teaching myself around what I didn't know. Because uh, I had I, I wasn't a business person uh, going into it. I was a designer. And my, yeah. my strength was that. So, uh, yeah, I forget your question. But, but, uh, yeah, it was good advice. But that is really good advice and, and so necessary because you're right. It's it's like the, the numbers might not be sexy, um, definitely. But it's also just we want to do it. Yes. So we're going to do it anyway. And, and then pricing your stuff as well. If, yeah. you, if you do the numbers, if you see how much you actually need to make, it also makes yeah. it easier for you to price it because then you might well, pricing that- it right. Yeah. And yeah. and really understanding your costs. There are the hidden costs and the very factual costs. So so the number part, if you again, if it's just a hobby, it's much different. So mm-hmm. if this is something you want to make a part income of or a full income of or working up to that in between, uh, Knowing that is, is really crucial. And if you don't know it, then find someone that can help you. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it is it's is a game changer because you cannot live from it if it's not making you money. You know, that's that's as unsexy as it can be. Uh, but if you, if you want to do it out of pure passion and you, you that side is, you cannot even look at or you don't want or you don't have someone, then keep it as a hobby because then you will continue to enjoy it. And if you're curious, is this going to be something that I can pursue? Bring it. I would always say, bring it to the test, you know, see if, if something bites and, and try to do it at the lowest cost possible. That's probably also something that I've learned from the design business is holy smokes. You can easily spend a lot of money in that world also, because things have to, to look like a lot when it comes to fashion, you know, it, it fashion shows and, and all of that, where, for instance, with my art, most of my art has been selling just by uh, posting it on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I haven't even had an art show here in Denmark, and I've already been selling. So that has cost me zero uh, kroners um, <laughs> or dollars. But but everything that you can get exposure from for fee- free is so, so valuable because you can easily, people will convince you to spend money on so so many things and when you don't know better when you're not experienced we just we look at it as advice right yeah so so yeah having a mentor other people that are that are in either in the industry or even outside of the industry just that fact of you're a store owner you have so many things in or store like a business owner i mean sorry you have so many things in common and you have had so many of the same reflections that um, that you can you can gain a lot of knowledge from one another. Yeah, I definitely want to look into like the whole business network thing. It is it it, it it sounds so rewarding, and I know from just when you randomly meet somebody who you can talk to about you know about those little business things and tax and you know pricing yeah. all those things. How 
yes, how rewarding it is and how much you can learn. How helpful, and, yeah. Yeah, and also just feeling that, oh, in, so, in some cases, you might actually be the person who can help give something back, which is yeah. also great. Yeah. But but now, you know, we've been speaking about business, like creativity and being an artist as well. And now you're also a mom to, to two cute little boys. And um, yeah, staying busy, trying to, um, I guess, you know, fulfill your your personal dreams, you know, also keeping a family and, you know, running your, also your massage therapy business. How do you, how do you find time for creativity in that? And also, you know, I, I, I just assume that creative creativity and, and being an artist is also part of actually your health um, because of how you express your art, but how do you keep a healthy balance in all of those things? Well, that is a really good question. I think with anything in balance when you have kids, it's a, it's it's it is a challenge. I think because I I will very much look at my art now, like I've come to a place where I trust that it, it does bring me an income. It's much easier to block time off to say I'm working here because I have seen that it brings me income. Yeah. You're allowed to. I'm right? a, I'm allowed to, yeah. So before where I didn't know, I I working in the evenings, you know, because it fills my soul, like to, whether it would be from when the kids would be in bed from eight to 10 or 11, or, um, I would do it then, which has always been a great time for me anyways, to be creative because it's quiet and nights have been my time. So I would find the I would find the, the, the moment, um, with kids when you're tired and you go to sleep at seven or eight when they, you know, of course it's harder, but there's also something about allowing, allowing not, you know, that you can't do it all at the same time. Like you can't be a hundred percent, you know, mom. And I also am starting a massage business because I was wanting to just have something that would be stable, not knowing how long it would take me to build my, my massage or my art business here in Denmark. But it, as it's going right now, it, it made the art may take over and I might, you know, be massaging maybe one day a week because I, I actually would like to continue with it. But um, yeah, I'm just open to, to see where it goes. And, and I, I continue to drip, if that makes sense. Like with whatever capacity I have, it's so important to me and I know it. And right now it's checking off several of my boxes. It is my mental health. It's my hobby. It's what I want to do when I have a spare moment. And I have that confidence that it will bring in income. So, so I can prioritize it uh, and and carve out time for it, even with a little bit, whether it be you know half an hour just to doodle or do something. Yeah. Um, and when I have you know I've not been feeling well, so I've cleared my massage schedule. So that's been actually exciting for the painter in me <laughs> because I you know I, I'm not around people, so I can't you know, get them sick, but I could just jump in my dirty clothes and get out into my studio and get my brushes out and just feel, you know, yeah, so you productive. Paint, you can paint with a snotty nose. That you can. Not, that's yeah. not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would say, you know, just a dripping philosophy, do what you can, but, but, but do something for you, whether it's half an hour or, and when you can. Yeah. And there are some days where, to be a mother takes all of you, all of all of you. So that's not the day, but there's a day tomorrow. 
and, you know, create that window, you know, try and plan it ahead if it's important to you. And a little bit goes a long, a long way. I love that dripping philosophy, like just the, the imagery of that. And my question was now, like, if you feel stressed, how do you find peace again? And I almost want to answer it myself because I assume that you find some, you find some space to paint. But uh, what what else do you do in in moments when it's tough? I I journal personally when I, when things are are busy as they are with kids, and we just moved to a different continent and our whole life, and we're starting up two businesses, my husband and I, and the kids just started kindergarten, and we're in a new town. So there's a lot of new, uh, a lot of just in, in your internal landscape. I go out, it's been such beautiful days these days with the sun. I go out with my notebook and a cup of tea, sit in the sun and just soak it up and just ground myself. And then I start journaling and checking in. I have like a little five-step um, exercise that I asked myself, which is the first one is one to 10. How do I feel? Just that. And then I get a number. Today it would be seven. And then I ask myself, why? Why a seven? Okay, well, I feel great. I'm sitting here talking to you. You know, the sun is shining. My mom's here. I feel supported. Maybe, and then I'm even getting that feeling, oh, maybe I'm an eight, actually. Like, today's a good yeah. day. You know, I've got some momentum on my art. I'm waiting on a response. It's like, Oh, maybe I'm a nine. Like, anyways, it's just that feeling of checking in and actually making it, you're describing it to yourself in pictures or words or whatever you use. Now I start to do them sometimes without even writing because I do them so regularly. So one to 10, how do I feel? Number two is is why. So even if it was a four, well, why am I feeling low? I would have an answer to that. And my third question is what would make me a 10 today? Well, today... If I sold one of my those paintings <laughs> at that customer, I'm going to be a ten because that's going to feel great. Um, yeah, if I if I would be able to have like half an hour to go for a walk, that would also make me just. I just need to just go get down to go down to the beach here and get some air. So, anyways, it's kind of like I give myself uh, the advice, you know, by just uh, or allowing myself to think what would make it better. Um, and then the fourth one is what would be my best friend's advice to me today and why I put it that way is that we often give a good friend that advice that they need to hear and they can't tell themselves so if I become my own best friend I, I say something different than oh I need to I should that's different than advice because today a best friend's advice to me was just just be just enjoy you know like trust life is good is what my best friend would tell me today where I would start coming up with other sentences. Uh, just, oh, I, I should or could. Or, like, anyways, it would just sound different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you already know. It's like you're just giving love to yourself. Um, and then the last one is, what do I feel grateful for today? So right now I feel very grateful for this conversation with you. Yay! Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's I feel, what I do. Yeah. Thanks, Melina. I, I feel grateful for those words as well, like those those five uh, steps, um, tips, what would you, yeah. Like that, I called the, it, I call them checking in, checking, with, in, checking like, in with Melina. Some really, really good uh, points there. I'm really going to take them in. They like, make, they make a huge difference. Like, and if you can, like, they don't have to take more than five, 10 minutes a day with your morning coffee or, yeah. and it's a good thing doing in the morning. Cause then you, you already know you have your anchor. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I, I'm here. 
And even if that's a four, you've just, if you're unsettled, just honor yourself to know I'm a four today. So now I'm not going to push it. Yeah. No, I'm not going to stand up for it. I'm not going to do this and that and this because today I'm a four and I just need to chill. Or I'm a seven or an eight and I feel, who can I give some love? You know, it could, <laughs> it just, it just, yeah. Yeah. It's just a very good way of, of being, you know, giving yourself some love. Yeah. Some wise words, Melina. And I basically just want to end it on that because that is the best ending I can imagine to this, uh, this episode. I almost, yeah, I want to, I want to go out now and find a space in the sun and do my own, like, oh, uh, checking in please, with Melina. <laughs> please do that. But before we say goodbye, I, uh, or, you know, or, or talk, talk soon, talk, talk again later. Um, where can the listeners find you? Like, where can they reach you? Of course, I will put it also in the notes for the episode, but uh, do you have any of your channels you would like to plug here? Yeah, you're welcome to look at uh, Melina Grotrian Art. I am on Facebook as well as Instagram. And you can also find me. I have a website. It's not as updated. So the other two channels would be the best place to go, to go in and find me. I but, will uh, yeah. definitely put the links up for that and, and, and put some of your art in there too. And then I just want to say thank you so much for, for joining me in this conversation. It has been really, really great. And, uh, The last question, what are you going to do right now? Right now, I am going to go in and give my mom a big hug because I love her and she's here to help me and she's going to be going home soon. And then in 45 minutes, I have a massage. So um, I will be preparing myself for that. Cool. But uh, that's, that's my immediate, not even job, but to do, but to do, yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a good thing. And, and give your mom a big hug from me as well. <laughs> and uh, thanks for checking in and uh, speak to you later again. And to all the listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Popcorn Brain Creative Podcast. Uh, it's been lovely to have, uh, <laughs> to have this chat with Melina. And uh, yeah, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.